Okay, so it's, it's kind of late this morning. Uh, does anybody want me to teach today? Uh, anybody not want me to teach today? Okay, well, I'm going to go for it here. Uh, I realize that, that maybe there might be things you need to get to, but I believe God has a word for someone, so I'm just going to go for it, all right? Yeah, let's do this, okay? Yeah. So here we are. We are in the series called Unstuck. Thank you, Pastor Aaron, for getting this kicked off. It's all about moving from the mundane to the meaningful. And I believe God has a word today for anyone who at any point in your life has felt unwanted. Anyone who at any point in your life who has felt rejected. Anyone who at any point in your life has felt betrayed, or if you're walking with someone who's at that point right now. And as we get started, if you've got a way to do it, I would encourage you to just make note of of two significant words today uh, as, as we get into this. Those words are these, approval and achievement, okay? Approval and achievement. What are those two words? Yeah, approval and achievement. Let me hear you say it again. Yes, these words are foundational things that drive most of us, and we may not even be aware that it's going on. So to help us get started, I want to jump into the middle of our text, and then we'll come back to this as we work through the text. Genesis 29, verse 31. The Bible says this, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved. It's a pretty sad statement. But there's really good news. And that good news is God sees the unloved. The good news is that God sees the rejected. And whatever state you may be in in life right now, you need to know God sees you. And so when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. He had a special blessing just for her. But Rachel, who we'll see as we go, who was loved, remained childless. And the good news that I want to highlight right here is God sees the unloved, God sees the rejected, God sees the broken. And when God saw Leah, who we will see in the text, was the ugly one, And the unwanted one, crying herself to sleep every night, he had a special blessing just for her. Why? Because God accepts what man rejects. Is anybody glad for that? God accepts what man rejects. Did you hear it? Oh, yeah, that's just the truth. And I believe we have some unloved Leahs in in church today. And and it's not just women, it's, it's, it's men as well, if we'll take an honest look at what's going on. Everyone who has known the pain of feeling unwanted at times. Every son who has grown up without a present father. Everyone who has felt rejected or betrayed in a marriage or in any kind of relationship. Anyone who has ever felt alone or who has walked into a room and has somehow felt that you've gone gone unnoticed. I believe God wants to set some people free today. I believe God has a word that we need to hear today. And I need you to know, you are chosen. Can you say, I am chosen? 
I am chosen. Okay, I want you guys all to stand up, and I want you to tell someone around you, you are chosen. Come on, let's do this. You are chosen. Yeah, it's the truth. You are chosen. You need to know that. Even in your brokenness, you are chosen. All right. Now, in order to get to the meat of, of this whole message of unwanted, we need some background. So I want to give you some background here, and, and this is what's going on. There's a man in the story. This man's name is, is Jacob, and Jacob is known as the deceiver. So if you ever hear someone say he pulled a Jacob, that's what it's about. It's about deception, and that's what's going on right here. But it's through this deceiver, through his family line, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will come into the world. And there's a word right there for anyone who will hear it. You ready for it? God uses imperfect people. God uses imperfect people. Now, Jacob is imperfect. He had this twin brother who was actually the firstborn of the two. His name is Esau. And since Esau was the firstborn, he was privy to the, the blessing of the firstborn. In other words, he got the major portion of the inheritance coming his way. Double portion of the inheritance. But in a moment of their father's blindness, Jacob deceived him and stole Esau's birthright. Now, Esau played a part in this, okay, but it's Jacob who's the deceiver here. And Esau was a very strong man, and he's now very angry about this, so he's on a mission to kill Jacob. So Jacob's running for his life. In fact, he ran 500 miles to his mother's homeland. She will never see her son again. And when he arrives at the homeland, the first place he comes to is a well. It's early in the morning, and shepherds have gathered, and they're waiting because typically these wells were protected by a very large stone, and so they needed to wait until enough people arrived to help them get this stone moved so that they could water their sheep. Okay, now, please keep in mind, Jacob is a homeboy. Okay, he's not known for his strength. I mean, Esau was the strong one. He was the, the, the outdoorsman. But here's Jacob, this guy who's better in the kitchen. And just then, this beautiful girl named Rachel comes walking up. And, and as soon as Jacob sees her, this is chapter 29, verse 10. Notice what it says. He rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well himself and watered Rachel's sheep. Can I just say, I'll never cease to be amazed what a man will do when the right girl comes around. Yeah, isn't isn't this something? I mean, can you imagine the shock on the other shepherds' faces when they see this kid, see this beautiful girl, testosterone kicks in, and man, he's moving that stone all by himself. Yeah. Look what happens next, verse 11. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. And she's standing there thinking, what is with this guy? Huh? Yeah. Well, when she realized that he was actually a relative, she ran home 
and told her father Laban, and Jacob was with her. So Jacob, or Laban, the father, immediately welcomed Jacob into his house. So now we pick it up at verse 14, partway through the verse, where it says this. After Jacob had stayed, after Jacob had stayed with Laban for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Verse 16. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was who? And the name of the younger was who? Yeah. Leah, the eldest, had weak eyes. Now, what does that mean exactly? What does it mean when it says she has weak eyes? I mean, there's a lot of speculation going on here, but one thing's for sure. If the Bible describes a young girl as having weak eyes, it's probably not a good thing, right? Going on, in fact, it's not exactly a compliment. In fact, if you keep reading, you get a clearer picture because it says that Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. See, suddenly weak eyes begins to mean something when you read it in context, right? So going on, verse 18, Jacob was in love with Rachel and said to Laban, I'll work for you seven years in return for which daughter? The youngest, right? So in this culture, typically there was a dowry or a bride price that had to be paid in any proposal of, of marriage. Since Jacob had no money, he offers himself. Okay, so now we pick it up at verse 19. Laban says, It's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. And now here's one of the most romantic verses in the entire Bible. Watch this, right? Worked seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because he was so in love with her. Oh, yeah, perfect. You guys are doing good. But suddenly the romance comes to a screeching halt because now he's worked the seven years. Verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to lie with her. I want to sleep with her. Guys, we are so shallow. Huh? And the Bible is so honest. Don't you love it? I mean, if I were this girl's dad and this guy said that to me, I think I'd say, Hit the road, dog. You know, what are you doing? See, it's another reminder that God doesn't use perfect people because perfect people don't exist. In fact, Jacob already has three strikes against him. Let's line them up. First, we know he's a deceiver, right? Secondly, we know that the only thing he knows about this girl that he's so in love with is how beautiful she is. And third, he's crass in speaking to his father-in-law. Can I just tell you, if God can use Jacob, God can use you. <laughs> I mean, just pinch yourself a moment, okay? It's very real. Verse 22. So Laban brought together all the people to the place and gave a feast. And now I'm going to walk on the line of offending someone here because I'm going to tell you there must have been a bunch of alcohol at this thing. It wasn't just grape juice. How do I know that? Oh, the way the story plays out. Let's watch it. But when evening came, he took his daughter, who? Oldest or youngest? 
Yeah, took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her, and Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter as her maidservant. That was common in the day. Verse 25, when morning came, there was Leah. Uh-oh. Right? So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you, what's the next two words? Why have you deceived me? And Laban replied, It is not our custom around here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. So question here. I mean, why, why didn't Laban lay out these ground rules before all of this? Huh? What's going on here? Another seven years. I mean, I'm not sure it would have changed anything, but it just makes you wonder whether we should laugh or cry, doesn't it? And so the first thing I want you to see here, and remember, this is still putting things in place for where God wants to take us here this morning. The first thing to notice is this. The deceiver has been deceived. And, and while Jacob might have had a bachelor's degree in deception, his now father-in-law has a doctorate. Do you suppose maybe, just maybe, Jacob's having some deja vu right here? I mean, can you imagine what must be going through his mind at this moment? I mean, I deceived my father in his blindness. I deceived my father in the dark, and now I've been deceived in the dark. The name Jacob means heel catcher, but it's really a derivative of the same word that's deceived. And that's the theme of what's going on here. Why have you treated me the way that I've treated so many? You ready for this? Why have you Jacobed me? And there's some important stuff here for us. The Bible says, be sure that your sins will find you out. The, the Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Jacob's been Jacob, and we need to make sure that the seeds we're planting will produce the kind of plants that we want to live with. Yeah. God is in the process of giving Jacob a spiritual overhaul, and it's not going to be easy. He's going to have to be on the receiving end for a while in order for him to have new eyes, a new mind, and a new heart, because all he can see are surface things. Why have you deceived me? The second thing I want you to notice is Laban's answer just must have pierced like, like knives as, as if God himself were, speak, were speaking to him here. Verse 26, around here, we don't give the younger daughter in marriage before we give the older one. Around here, we don't allow grabby younger children to take away what belongs to the eldest. Around here, we don't allow things to get out of order like what you might have dealt with. Around here, you see, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't happen to know any cases like that, do you, do you Jacob? I mean, maybe it's different where you come from, but around here, that sort of stuff just isn't going to fly. Yeah. Remember the two words we started with? What are they? Remember? Achievement and approval. Approval and achievement. Yeah, I hear you guys saying them. You've got them. See, it's the achiever in us 
who will try to manipulate circumstances in a way to force God's hand. And when we begin to force God's hand, we really mess things up because the truth is God wants to fashion faith in us. Do you know the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God? Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know what that word rewards means? See, the truth is, God is the giver of the good. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And when we try to rush God's hands, we short-circuit the greater blessing. And this is all about learning to trust God. This is about learning to trust God's time and, and God's ways. Amen? Yeah. Okay, so that's the background, all right? You remember what we're talking about now, right? We're talking about unwanted. We're talking about unstuck. You ready to get into this here? You ready for this? Anybody ready for this? All right, well, here we go. So, what about this poor girl named Leah? What about her? I mean, she's a real, real, very real person with very real feelings who understands very real hurt. And this is her wedding night. It's the only wedding night that she is ever going to know. And the only reason she's in this tent is because the man she's with has been tricked. And she goes along with it. Why? Well, in this culture, she was required to father her father, follow her father's orders. And maybe she's a, afraid of him. Maybe she feels worthless. Maybe she feels unattractive, unattractive as if she'll never be loved. Or how about this? Maybe she has very real feelings for this guy who feels nothing for her at all. I mean, it's one of the saddest stories in all of Scripture. It's the heartache of the unloved sister. Remember where we started? Verse 31, here we are. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Do you know what rejection is? It's not a dead end. It's a redirection. Rejection isn't about you getting stuck, though you may get stuck there for a while. You may feel stuck there. This is about redirection. And when people reject you, it may just be a sign that they weren't the right one for you in the first place. And it might be a sign that you're flying kind of low when God has higher elevations for you to travel in. It just might be a sign. And the sad thing here is that Leah can't see this. She can't see what God is doing. She's looking for approval in achievement. So she starts having babies. It's good to have babies. I mean, you were a baby once, and look at you. <laughs> All right? Babies are a good thing. But the question is, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you having babies? Are you looking for acceptance? Are you looking to prove something? I mean, she says here, surely my husband will love me now. Clearly, it didn't work. Because if you read on to the next verse, she has another son, and it says that it's because the Lord has heard that I am not loved. 
And then she has a, a third son, and she's still looking for that love. But then she has a fourth son. And something in Leah changes because now it appears she's no longer looking for love of this man who has nothing for her but instead verse 35 she simply praises God and and Leah honestly is a picture of most of us in efforts to produce things in hopes of winning approval and can I just tell you until God is enough for you nothing in this world will ever satisfy the void that you feel in your heart rejection is not a dead end it's a redirection it's not a place to get stuck though you may feel stuck there for a while but it's an opportunity to see God leading you in ways that you never imagined to a place where you're no longer looking for something that this world can't give you but you just praise the Lord Friends, it's all eyes on Jesus. But we got to keep going here. We got to keep going. Because what's going on with Rachel at this moment? What's happening with her? I mean, she's beautiful. She's loved. Life's got to be good for her, right? Well, chapter 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she was not saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children. She became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I will die. Would you please make note of this? Both sisters are miserable. Would you please notice that? Make note of it. Verse 2, Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God who has kept you? I mean, this isn't my problem Rachel, this is your problem, right? Am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Give me children or I'll die. Rachel has the approval. She's loved. She's beautiful. But she doesn't have the achievement. Leah has the achievement, but she didn't have the approval. Do you know that one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not covet? Do you you realize that? And it's there for good reason because you and me, we tend to want what we can't have. And we're always looking at somebody else and we're thinking they have it better than us if we could only have it like them. And we need to be reminded that some of the people that we look, look at and think have it so good are people who are crying themselves to sleep every night. Yeah, we need to see this. And if we're not careful, we will waste our lives away trying to imitate people who are barren on the inside. They may look great on the outside, but they're barren on the inside. And just because you look beautiful on the inside doesn't mean what's going on in here is is bearing fruit. Why are we so drawn to what we don't have? Approval. Achievement. And God says, when are you going to look to me? And when are you going to realize that I am more than enough. Yeah. Well, the drama goes on, but we need to wrap this up. And in order to do that, I need to take you over to the Gospel of Matthew. And it's all the same storyline, so please keep track right here. And when the Gospel of Matthew starts off, it actually gives us the genealogy of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the family tree. We're talking about the family line. We're talking about Ancestry.com, right? Leah couldn't see this when, when she was alive, 
okay? But, but it would have been fun to sit down with her and walk through her, walk, walk with us through her. And I can't do this, but my hope is that today God's going to use this to speak life into someone here. See, Matthew is telling us how Jesus came into the world. And he starts off this way. He says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Judah. Now, wait a minute here. Do you remember what Leah did differently when she had that fourth son? What'd she do? Praise God, right? Any guesses as to what that fourth son's name was? Judah. Wow. Judah was Leah's son. Leah was the ugly one who never knew what it was to be loved by her husband. And if you go on reading this, what you'll find in Matthew, three sets of 14 generations listed there. But I just want to skip over all that and put it together because all, after all the begots and begottens, we, we, we read Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah, skipping to verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, Mary was, was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. And I'm just believing God's going to use this to breathe life deeply into someone here this morning. Jesus came into the line of Judah. Judah came from Leah. Leah was the one who was rejected. Do you realize the Bible says of Jesus that he had no beauty of his own to attract us to him? And Jesus came from this great, great, great grandmother who had no beauty of her own to attract us to her? And there's a word here this morning. If you feel rejected, if you feel somehow that you're not measuring up to whatever preconceived standard you're living with, if you're feeling rejected, frustrated, failing, and stuck, you need to know that God wants to bring Jesus forth from your life, and he's only going to do it through your brokenness, through your rejection, through your failure, through your hurt, and through your pain, because it's out of that that he will best be seen. Yeah. God's looking for some unlovelyest today. Because he, he wants to replace rejection with blessing. The prophet said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called oaks of righteousness a planning of the lord for the display of his splendor and that's you you are chosen when i was in my 20s i went through a season where i was feeling sorry for myself anybody want to say ah yeah i was feeling kind of alone anybody want to say ah i mean my friends were all getting married and it was a fun season of dating, but nothing was working out. Anybody want to say, ah? 
And I was feeling really sorry for myself. And then in a moment of my suffering, <laughs> it was like the Holy Spirit came knocking on my numbskull. He said, Michael, feeling kind of lonely? Yeah. Feeling kind of sorry for yourself? Yeah. Well, Michael, do you think you're the only one in the world who feels that way? No, probably not. What do you think would happen if you got out of your stuckness and became for someone else what you're wanting someone else to be for you? You suppose just maybe neither of you would feel alone? Wow. Unwanted. It's not a dead end. It's a redirection. God has great plans for you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We receive it in Jesus' name. And right now, each one of you, just ask God these two questions. What is it that the Lord is speaking to you this morning? And how would he have you to respond? What's God saying to you? And how would he have you to respond? Just take a moment and consider it. I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come up. They're going to be here to pray with you. They'll pray with you about anything, anything at all. And uh, what I'd like all of you to do is I'd like you to stand together and receive this blessing. If God, if you need prayer, please go to one of them, maybe the people you're with, have them pray with you, but receive this blessing. Receive this blessing. God wants to take your brokenness and out of your brokenness, bring forth Jesus. God wants to take that place where you have felt rejection and unworthiness, and he wants to bring Jesus forth from that place. God wants to take that place where you're feeling in a pit and sorry for yourself, and he wants to bring forth Jesus in your life. But it's only out of that place of brokenness that he will do it. Would you receive Jesus in that place of brokenness in order that he might grow in you in such a way that he might go forth out of you? Receive that blessing now. In Jesus' name, amen.